Okay. So, what has been our topic for the past three weeks? I have not been here. I have been growing. You're right, really big for Gideon. <laughs> yeah. I did not because there was no lesson to listen to. Yeah, we oh, had some. Levi has. Levi has. I, I thought that you were. Yeah. Well, also the that isn't up either. Yeah, because Evan, Evan accidentally didn't plug in like a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, so I have to rely on all of you who are here. So what about John? What are we looking at in the Book of John specifically? Phoebe. Is that the same John that wrote the book Gospel of John? We did talk about that one week. So which John are we talking about? No. Yes. Our topic though. We are looking at the book of John and who wrote the book of John. John, but which John? The gospel John that was Mary's new son. That guy. Mary's Revelation. Oh, John. yeah, because he said, y- yes. This is your mother. Oh, you yes, I see what you're saying now. Did, did we not talk about John the Baptist? We did. We did. Okay, baptized Jesus. That's not our like topic John. for the next couple that, weeks. But that was in yeah, the book of John. Yeah, but that was for the couple it weeks. It is in long. the book of John. Okay, I was confused. Okay. So this is the Apostle John, right, who wrote this book, and he writes it about Jesus. It's about Jesus, okay. What a little bit, but he doesn't even ever call himself John. Do you know what he calls himself? No, that's the other John. <laughs> that's John the Baptist. John the Apostle, he refers to himself in the book as no, nope. the one who Jesus loved. Oh, that's pretty humble. No. <laughs> um, but so, sort of, but he also doesn't use his own name ever in it. So he doesn't think too highly of himself. He was more stating the fact because he was one of the ones that Jesus always took with him when he wouldn't let anybody else come with him. It was usually him, Peter. And uh, sometimes Andrew. So, what is special about God or John's story about Jesus that's different from Matthew and Mark and Luke? It starts at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? Isn't that what it is? Um, he that is he does start there for the narrative, but there's something else before that. Okay, yes, he talks about even before there was the world, right? He talks, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word. And the Word was God. Yes. And with God. Yep. So, and he's different because uh, Luke starts with the genealogy of Jesus, so he only goes back to Adam and Eve. And then he lists everybody that is in the line of descendants that Jesus comes from. Mark starts with Jesus' baptism and his ministry. 
He's all about the action. Luke is about the history and being accurate, and he gathers up many people's stories about Jesus and puts them together. And who am I leaving out? Oh, Matthew focuses on the man, Jesus. What does John focus on? If Matthew is focusing on the man, Jesus. The spirit. Uh, that's part of it. But Jesus is... Two things at the same time. The Father and His Son. Nope, He is never the Father. Yes, yes, He is human. Right? We talked about this. He and God at the same time. He's two hundred percent. Yeah, God is two hundred. He has a two hundred. God is that capacity. Two hundred over one hundred. Yeah. It doesn't work, right? The math doesn't work, but we don't. It's something that we can't understand. So John looks at the divine side of Jesus. And we're looking at, throughout our series, all the ways that Jesus explains who he is to us. So, the first week, what was the metaphor? Does everybody know what a metaphor is? Yes. Natalia, what's a metaphor? Yes. Do you have an example of a metaphor? Oh, with your headset. I'm so hungry I can eat a horse. That's a hyperbole. <laughs> That's all I can think of right now. Because you're hungry? would be like... Oh, oh, oh. Um, he... Okay. Like, he is a giant. Um... Sort of, but he could actually be a giant. <laughs> yeah, but that's but like, what makes it. If I look at somebody tall, he is a giant. Because I couldn't say he's like a giant. No, okay. we have to compare it to something like inanimate. Like, a basketball is an orange, like that. No. That was what we used no. last time. No. That's what we used, though. Well, what was the first metaphor that we looked at for Jesus? Like, like comparing, I don't know. A lamb? In the, it's in the, in the first chapter. The word. Um, the word was God. The light. Right. How is the Jesus like the light? Yes, you guys talked about the cave. How is Jesus like the light? What did you say, Gideon? Okay. And why is that valuable? So you can see what? Okay, so it reveals things. What does it reveal? It's something else that Jesus says he is. What do you usually hide? How do you hide something? Well, how? But how do you hide something sometimes? You lie. Okay. 
So if you hide something, he's the truth. Okay, good. Now, then what was another metaphor that we talked about the week afterwards? The ne- it's the next thing that Jesus so does. The orange in the basket. That's not... I did talk about an orange in a... Did I talk about an orange? Yeah, what because did I say? I can't even remember. The orange in the basket light was... Oh, yeah. Was like, no, it, was, it looked like a dough. Oh, yes, that that's and correct. It's, it's a, Yes. But smaller. Was, but it right. Like this. Yes. Okay. Now, when? What did that relate to? The dove. The dove. Okay. And when did the dove appear? When the Jesus spirit. got baptized. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, what is is baptism a metaphor? Yes. Yes. For Jesus, it was. Well, for all of us. It is. For all of us. It's right. Showing it's that not literally. Okay, yes. Now what's but what's different for Jesus, right? Because he doesn't have what to wash away. Okay, so what's what was different for him? He was committing himself to God's will. Yes, correct. Very good. Okay. So and baptism is also um, think of Jonah. You guys all know the story of Jonah. What did Jonah going in the be- in the belly of the whale for three days and then coming out of the whale again symbolize the resurrection, which is becoming a new person. Okay, new life. Okay, so baptism is a lot of t- is um, related also t- to that where you are coming up out of the water and now you have a new life a new dedication okay and last week tell me about last week because i didn't hear any of it what chapter were you in you talked about somebody that jesus met Okay, so what did Jesus use to explain that to Nicodemus that he didn't understand? We just talked about the category of literature that it falls into. Starts with M. A metaphor, right? He used being born again as a metaphor, but you aren't literally... Well, you are literally spiritually born again, but physically you are not. But he is saying it is like that where you are going to be born again. We were. Anything else from that chapter that you remember? Any other high points we should hit before we move on? He came in the night because he didn't want Nicodemus came in the night because he didn't want his other good people to be like. Right. 
the other religious leaders and Sadducees, right? Everyone know the difference between the Pharisees and Sadducees? Sadducees are sad and Pharisees are sad. Okay, why are they sad? That is that is a um, what do you call that? It's not a limerick, but like a way to remember. Why why are the Sadducees sad? What's that help you remember? No. So there were two groups: the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees thought that when you died that you would live again that there was a heaven or a paradise or you would be resurrected one day the sadducees thought that when you died that was it you were dead and they're sad you see i did not come up with that that's what that's a common thing i don't know the song oh I don't know, but that's how you remember those two uh, theological views that they have. Okay, <clears throat> so this week, we are going to continue to follow Jesus, of course, and he is now making his way back up to Galilee in that region. So we're going to do... Samaritan is from Samaria. Okay? Now, what geographically is significant about where Samaria is? Wedged between two different places. Okay, yes. What and why is that an issue, do you know? Because if Galilee is mad at Jerusalem, then Samaria is going to get caught between them. No. Is, no. It that, is it that like Samaria is not a good place? It's okay. That's all right. That, that's kind of a, we're going to get to that because that's a focal point. So Jesus is now, he's traveling from Judea. He's down in this area. 
and he's going to travel back up to Galilee. Now, normally, all the other Jews do this. They go on that side of the Jordan to get up there. Jesus does not go that way. <clears throat> and then let's go ahead and go to chapter 4 of John, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8. And we're going to see where he stops on the way. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had... Nope. John chapter 4, verse 3. Oh, verse 3. He left Judea and departed again unto, into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sitar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob dwelt with there. Jesus, therefore, being weary of the journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Okay. So they are traveling along, and there are two mountains. There's kind of. Um, there are two, like, if we do a topographical map. You guys know what a topographical map oh, is? Of course. That's like a little mountain right there, which you just drew. Yep. What's that? They're mountains. Is that why they don't They're go through Samaria? Huh? Is that why they don't go through Samaria? Um, no, it's actually, this is kind of a valley. It's actually much harder to go, like, around and cross the Jordan or to go this way. Well, then why are they going around and cross the Jordan? <laughs> We're going to get to that. Uh, we're getting there. So, there's this little place in kind of this valley area here called Sychar. And this is um, another name for this region is Shechem. And if you were to go back to Genesis, um, we're not going to go there, but I think it's Genesis 33. Yep you will see why that, that is the same place. It's a cross-reference for there. Because Jacob, way back when, um, way before Jesus, he stayed there for a while with his family, with his 12, well, it was 11 sons at the time. And he dug a well while he was there. And they're pretty sure they know what, which well it is still today. And it is 150 feet deep. It's been filled in some, like it's not as deep as it was, but they think it was originally 150 feet deep down to the limestone rock. Hand dug. How do you get out? How do you uh, ropes, probably. You, well, hand dug wells are usually like real deep. So you have a short shovel and stuff. And then you put rocks and dirt in a bucket and a rope and pull it out one bucket at a time it takes a lot of work we don't know if he dug it or if he paid somebody to dig it or what or both but he dug this well 
And it was a very good well because 2000, almost 2,000 years later, they are still using it. That's their, one of their main wells that they come and get water at. <clears throat> so from that verse, what is the, the verses that you read, what is the setting for our story? Okay. And so he was tired, so he sat there until six. Oh, and then there was a lady. Okay, so he has stopped at this well. The disciples oh, have gone to her, get food. Hesterson did this not that long ago, didn't he? He may have. Yeah, I think he did it this summer. It is. Well, but you didn't know it that well because you, you would have recognized it sooner. So we're going to look at more details of this story. And he is there, and it is, does, do you know what time it was? Did you pay attention to that? I think it mentioned it. Six, six, the sixth hour. The sixth hour. Do you know what the sixth hour is? Six o'clock in the morning. Nope. Six o'clock in the night. No. <laughs> All right, so the way that the Jewish... Um, Time system works is it is six hours after sunrise. Oh, so it'd be like eleven-ish, twelve-ish. Right, depending on the time of the year. For them, it's almost it's pretty close to always the same because they're pretty close to the equator, so it doesn't change very much like it does for us a lot. So it's right around noon. It's about the hottest part of the day because you get about we range from like. I think it's 10 hours to 14 hours of sun they have around 12 every day so they have 12 hours in their day so very hot right now and him and this lady are the only people at the well do you know how they got water out of a well yeah okay and what do you do if you don't have a bucket or a rope. Well, if you don't have a pitcher, you don't get water. <laughs> so Jesus is not carrying around a pitcher all the way to Galilee. I mean, you just wouldn't. So he is waiting for somebody to come, and a lady does come, which is not common for somebody to come at the hottest part of the day. But do you do you like to do the most labor intensive? Like, would you like to dig a ditch in the middle of the summer at three o'clock, or would you rather dig it at six a.m. when the sun is just coming up and it's still cool out? So what they did is they would fill pitchers of water in the morning and take it back to the house, and in the afternoon they tend not. Especially in hot climates, even today, you don't work in the afternoon. You do all your work in the morning and in the evening. So the same thing. It is odd that this lady is coming out there at this time of the day. All right. So they, this is Jacob's well. Tell me what you know about Jacob. He's 
close. Yes, yes, he's the grandson. Yes, Phoebe. Nope, you're thinking Joseph. That's Jacob's second to youngest son. So we know he is he is Isaac's son, Abraham's son. We've been talking about Abraham on Sunday during the service. So he does have a brother, a twin brother. Esau. Okay. Now, this is going to relate to Abraham. How? Okay. So, what do you think he inherits from Abraham? Okay. We did talk about his belongings on Sunday, but is that the most? He inherits the promises, right, from Abraham. Who gets them, though? Who gets the promises? It said it would be if there are two children... The oldest. Oh, the okay. oldest would be the youngest servant. If I remember correctly, it was something like that. You're right. That is a prophecy that is told to um, his mother, Rebecca. So, But you guys are also right that the oldest gets it. So who gets it and how does he get it? Phoebe. Esau gets it, but then... Esau gets it because his father blesses him. And then... But, but technically, Isaac, Jake, but technically, the other one technically got it because he tripped on the other one. But then, and then... Esau gave him the blessing. Jacob got it because he gets it. Okay, so yes, well, you Isaac, are correct. Isaac thought that Esau was getting the blessing, but well, yeah, because he was right. blind. Because he was blind, right? So there, and but there are two things, right? Because Jacob first cheats Esau out of, um, out of the birthright. Okay, that but that with the soup. The birthright that was never truly his. It was his. The prophecy is just telling you what will happen, but it doesn't tell you how it's going to happen. So it still has to happen somehow. And this is how Jacob and his mother thought that they would intervene and make it happen on their own. Instead of allowing God to help do it for them. So he gets, he steal, he cheats Esau out of his birthright, sort of. I mean, he got him to sell it to him for a pot of stew. But then he does steal the blessing. All right. What else do you know about Jacob? He was like his mother. Yep. He was a guy of the tent, not a guy of the field. Is it the same Jacob that wrestles God? Yes, he wrestles God. That's an important part. He saw the ladders, right? Yes. With he did. All right, good. You guys hit all the main points. So now I'm going to um, to give you some contrasting traits of him. So he cheated Esau out of a birthright. But what does that tell you about his character? It kind of plays in some almost evil way when you think about it from just like if you only read that part. Okay. You could see him as greedy. Okay. Slide. 
Why did he want that birthright, though? Okay. Why did he want the blessing? Is it because, okay. You're not wrong that what so, he did was wrong. But, but it's because, because Jacob believed in God, but Esau didn't. And Esau, like, he didn't respect, like, he didn't do the right thing. Yeah. It, if you don't believe me, we're going to turn to Hebrews. This wasn't in the plan, but we're going to turn there because I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 11. This is, what, and this is what God says about their characters. He's not t saying that everything that they did was right. But this is... Um, mm, yep. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. Whoever gets there first can read it. Chapter 11? Yep, verse 20. And then verse 21. And by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, when he was, sorry, when he was a dying, blessed, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Okay. So it says that he blessed both of them. But it also says, hold on. Mm, this might not be the right place for it. I thought this was the reference. There, so there is another reference. I will get back to you on that. But there is another place where it says that Esau did not care about the things of God. That he threw them away. Jacob does care about God. So he did something wrong here, but he is searching for something. All right. He also saw angels, right? Ascending and descending, that's the next, next thing that happens to him. And he sees God seated on a throne. Do you know what he does after he sees that? He goes home. Okay, what does he do at the altar? Okay. He does pray. This, yep, this is often something that's overlooked in the story. He makes a promise. He makes a covenant with God. He says, if you will keep me safe. Remember, he's running away. His brother Esau wants to kill him right now. He says, if you keep me safe and bring me back here, then I will serve you forever. He makes a promise with God. That's Abraham. That's also a covenant. But Jacob is making his own covenant here. All right. Now. We're getting there. This is important. So he was also, do you know anything about his family life? After he has children and is married. What do you know about it? Yes. Um, he has two wives. He has two wives. And then he has 12 children. He had, yep. 12 sons. And I want to say like eight or seven daughters. Something like that. He actually, he has more, he has two wives, but he also, uh, he doesn't marry them, but he has children with his, each of his wives' servants. They each have 
a handmaiden, and he has children with them, which they encourage him to do, his wives. So, which ain't right. No, and this causes a whole lot of trouble. I say all this to be, in short, he is not what you would call a role model of a father or a husband. So what you would call a cheater. Um, no, be... They love him. Yeah, they love yes. him too. This was a mutual thing that all of them agreed upon, but they mutually did something wrong. Okay, so it wasn't cheating, but it was wrong. God is very specific. One man, one woman, that's all you need. Now, but he also wrestled with God, right? You guys mentioned that. Now, why did he wrestle God? What does he say to God when God when God tells him, let me go, it's almost morning? They wrestle all night. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until. What is he after? Starts very early in his life. What does he want? He wants a blessing from God. He wants that tie to God. He He knows it's a good thing. So two things that define Jacob and who he is. He struggles with God. It like struggles with his sins, with who he is, with his decisions, and that relationship. But he also thirsted for God. He wanted him. And that's how he gets the name Israel. Do you know what the name Israel means? I'll give you a hint. L, anytime you see C-E-L at the end of a name, it means God. In Hebrew. No. It means the one who wrestles with or struggles or fights with God. And that becomes the name for an entire nation. The one who wrestles with God. So think about what that might mean. You don't have to tell me. Just think about it. Because you are... All of you, me, you're adopted into that nation of Israel. God adopted you in. So that means you bear that name too of one who struggles with God. So think about that. All right. So 2,000 years later, here we go, Felicia. We're getting back to John. Jesus and one of the many, who is one of the many sons of Abraham, from Isaac and Jacob, He's at now Jacob's well, and he's asking for a drink on this hot, 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 hot day from a daughter of Jacob. She's a Samaritan, but she is, she is related to all the Israelites and the Jews. They're like, um, they're kind of half and half. They've mingled with another group, and... <clears throat> Because of that, the Jews do not like them because they're kind of like a half-breed is their thought about it. They don't like them. So that's why Gideon was like, well, why would you take the hard road? 
Well, they don't like the Samaritans. They say, we are not going through their disgusting country. We're going way around. Even though it takes us an extra half a day, we're going to do that. Jesus decides, I don't really care about that. I'm going to go and travel through Samaria. And that is why Jesus is sitting there at, one of their, at this well asking for a cup of water. <clears throat> so, what is her reaction? Oh, let me get back to where we were. Um, what is the woman's reaction? Oh, we didn't, we didn't get there yet. So let's read now verse 9 and verse 10. Okay, so what is her reaction to Jesus speaking to her? Basically, she's like, you're not even supposed to like me. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, this is not normal. Maybe a little skeptical, like, hmm, what is What's the catch? he thinking? Yes, right, so first of all, she's surprised because she expects nobody to be at the well because nobody else comes this time of the day. And we'll talk about that in a bit as to why that is. But at first, she's surprised just off the bat as she's approaching and she sees that someone's there. And then she can see what he's wearing. She says, why is there a Jew at this well? Because the Jews, um, apparently the Jews had wore white tassels at the bottom on the hem of their coat or their uh, tunic, whatever you want to call it, and the Samaritans had blue tassels. So very obvious. You can see right away. And then she gets a little closer and she can see his face and she's like, oh, that's definitely a Jew. I can tell. Right? I mean, I, you, can t you could probably tell if somebody from I don't know, Alabama showed up, right? You'd be like, they're not from here. I know they're not. And then she hears him say something. She says, he says, can you give me, get me some water? And she picks out his accent, the way he pronounces things and says, oh yeah, I know for sure that he is from Nazareth and he's a Jew. And um. Jesus looking at her vessel that he sees that she has it to draw out water and doesn't have any, asks for some water, and she's taken aback. And she basically says to him, we're from different places, we don't associate with each other, and we do not like each other. Why would you even ask me that? What is Jesus' answer in your own words? Anybody? take a stab at that. He says, if you know God, then 
instead of, should I say it as what we meant to be said? However you want. Okay. If you know God and ask me for eternal life, then I'll give it to you. And there's no reason. Okay. And by your answer, he's speaking a little bit in code, right? He's yeah. using a metaphor, again. And he's talking about water, but a special type of water, living water. And he's basically, you said, if you knew I was God, he's kind of saying, if you recognized me, right? Because he doesn't look like God. Nobody's ever met God to know what he looks like. Certainly just looks like a regular human. All right, let's go on and see what she responds to that with, because that's a weird thing to say. Verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence they ask thou that living water. I fell very well from Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank there upon himself and his children in his cattle. Okay, hold on right there. Is is he greater than Jacob? Yeah. Oh yeah, way greater than Jacob. She doesn't know that yet though. Hasn't picked up on it. Alright, go ahead Phoebe. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Okay, so. <clears throat> he offers her water that's never going, that she's, once she drinks it, she's never going to be thirsty again. Different water from what she can pull out of the well. She pulls that water out. Takes it back home, you drink it, you need another drink, and another drink. You all know it, you wake up in the morning, and at least for me, the first thing is, I need some water, I need water. Keep it right by my bed, so when I wake up, I'm ready. First thing I do is walk down the stairs, so I'm going to work and try to find my way to the kitchen while I'm crashing into the chair. Yes. Again. <laughs> You're not yourself until you get something to hydrate you again. And the... Here, Jesus says, I can give you a water that you'll never be thirsty again. And this is, this is, think about it. This is Jesus. Jesus was the one who wrestled with Jacob. Because anytime it is, God is on earth in a form, like a physical form where he could have wrestled, that's Jesus. So Jesus has already been here. He's wrestled with Jacob. And gave him a blessing that fulfilled that spiritual thirst for him. And he's come back again now in a different way, living truly as a human, and offering this woman who is a great, 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 great granddaughter of him the same thing. So said it already, but what is Jesus really offering? Right, salvation, right? He talked about that last week. It's the same thing he told Nicodemus about. 
just he's explaining it in a different way, right? He's using a different metaphor for somebody else in a different situation. So what happens when you're saved? What happens to you? If you are, have you guys, new people, seen this drawing before? This is your body. Inside of you, not literally, but figuratively inside of you, you have a soul. That's your personality. That's um, what makes you you. Then you have inside of that a spirit. Yes, the spirit, your spirit is dead until you allow Jesus to awaken it, to make it alive again. And that's what salvation, eternal life is. When you allow him to clean you up, to take away your sins, then he can awaken your spirit for you. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I am offering you water, a water that will make you alive. And did we read verse 14? Yes. What else is that water going to do inside of you at the end of that verse? Make it to where you never thirst again for it says. Past that. Before that. A well. A well of water springing up inside of you. You know what an artesian well is? No. We're not going to go into it, but it's basically, um, I think, well, I don't think that is. But an artesian well is where once you break open this kind of cave underground and you have a... Oh, it's like one of those hidden springs. Yes, it's like a spring. And then once you break that open because there's pressure from other ways, the water just keeps gushing out. You can't stop it. It just keeps coming out. That's what Jesus is describing here. He says, I'm going to give you a well of water that keeps springing out of you. When the Holy Spirit comes and then lives inside of you with your spirit, bonds to your spirit, it will continue to renew you if you let it. If you build that relationship God, with God, it will cause you not to have to thirst for God's presence anymore. Except for what? What's the exception? What could, what could be threatened this? Satan. Not, he's related to it. Yourself. Okay, yep, it's in your control. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Isn't that temptation or something? That's um, on the way to it. What chapter? 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Sure. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay. Anybody know what it is to grieve the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? What does grieve mean? Like you, you're sad about something that's not basically when someone dies. Okay, grief. Yep, they share the same root. It means to, in this case, it means to offend is another interpretation of that word, would oh, be like, to like offend the Holy Spirit. Okay, grievance? Yes. There you go. I want you to go up uh, a few verses to, um, hold on, let me find it. Twenty-two and twenty-three. Read those. Abby, you can read those. Okay. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay. He's talking about the old you. You have to put the old you off. You have to get rid of him. You have to. You have to kill him. Because that sin that you live in is the old man will offend the Holy Spirit. It will quench, is another word that elsewhere in the Bible that talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. Quenching is when you take a piece of hot iron and dip it in water and it cools it off. You want the Holy Spirit to be in you and you want to be on fire. So, if you have sin, it will, and you don't deal with that, it will make it not possible to receive the living water. So, <clears throat> last part that we're going to look at tonight. Here is where Jesus addresses that with her. This is the famous part that you may remember back in John again. Verse 4, <clears throat> 15 through 19. Whoever. Yep. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I have perceived that thou art a prophet. Okay. So, gets down to the uh, nitty gritty, right? Jesus says, and this is where Jesus does what nobody else can. He knows what her situation is, what goes on in her life. and But he asks it in a way that she has to tell him how she, what she struggles with, what she wrestles with, with God. And he knows that she's ashamed. He knows that um, she is collecting water in the middle of the day because it's like she has that uh, scarlet letter or she has that like uh, outward stain that everybody knows that she has had five husbands and she's divorced each one of them 
and now the person that she lives with, they're not even married. Or it could have been the fact that they divorced her. It, it could have been. Um, but there's always two parties in anything. And she, either way, the rest of society would have looked down on her. So she is coming during the middle of the day when nobody else, all the other women are not at the well. So she doesn't have to deal with it. And Jesus says, points it out to her, and she instantly is like, okay, you are definitely not just some run-of-the-mill guy from Nazareth. You are obviously, at the very least, a prophet. And then Jesus says to her, um, we're not going to read it for sake of time, but verses 21 through 24, he tells her that there is a, an hour when the hour comes. And anytime you see that in the book of John, it means that when that hour means the hour that I die on the cross. So he says, when I die on the cross, that all of these groups and classes, the Samaritans versus the Jews, the people who are self-righteous in your, in your town again versus you, none of that is going to matter when I die on the cross. And instead, in that day, a fountain of blood and water is going to flow. And that is going to allow your spirit to be awakened with living water. What I am here to do, what my mission is, is going to allow you to get rid of the old person. To forget about all those many relationships that you've had that have been failed because of what you did, because of what somebody else did. All those things that you don't want to relive anymore, those can be forgotten. And I offer you something that will quench your thirst. Quench your spiritual thirst that you have. Just like Jacob was searching for something, struggles with God, all of us struggle with God too. We all have things that we wish that we, did, that we didn't do, things that we keep doing that we wish that we didn't keep doing. But God says, I offer you something better. I offer you a way to put those things behind and to be satisfied, to have your thirst quenched. So that's the water symbolism that Jesus uses. Thank you, guys.